Who is the smartest person in the world? Any ideas? You could make a case for Ken Jennings. You know, he's the guy who won 74 consecutive uh, matches on Jeopardy, pocketing a cool $2.5 million. Some are tempted to suggest Sheldon Cooper, you know, the theoretical uh, uh, physicist on the sitcom Big Bang Theory, but that's a fictional character. Pretty banal in real life, actually. Some have suggested Gary Kasparov. Do you know who he is? He was the Russian chess player who, at 22, became the world's undisputed chess champion. He even beat the supercomputer great uh, Deep Blue. So who gets your vote? Einstein? Heisenberg? Schrodinger? Da Vinci? Aristotle? If you're having a hard time coming up with a name or Um, Maybe Dr. Jason Betts can help you. He has come up with what is called the World Genius Directory. And in this World Genius Directory, they use kind of IQs to uh, figure out who's the smartest. And according to this list, the smartest person is this Dr. Evangelos Katsoulis. He is a 48-year-old Greek psychologist. And his IQ score is... 205. To put that in perspective, that's over 35 points higher than the level of genius. That's more than double the average human being's IQ score. And it's 30 points higher than King Jennings' paltry 175. Take that, Jeopardy boy. But the bottom line is, is no matter how you rank them or if you can even name them, there are some incredibly smart people in this world. Always has been. Imagine how helpful it would be to have a cadre of crazy smart people at your disposal, like when you're trying to craft a church budget or when you're trying to... um, come up or doing research on a sermon that's got you stumped. I mean, world-class nerds could be very valuable. At this point in Mark's gospel that was read here, Jesus is in recruitment mode. He is trying to draft members to be a part of his team, a team that has been given the daunting task of founding a church and then igniting a spiritual movement that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth, a gospel that will last to the end of the ages. So if you were Jesus, who would you draft for your team? If you were the Son of God and you were building a team of spiritual ninjas, wouldn't you want the best of the best, the brightest of the bright, the wisest of the wise? Perhaps you would uh, consult the World Genius Directory and find the smartest person in Palestine and put that person in charge of logistics. And then maybe you would add the funniest man that you could find to keep the mood light when ministry got hard. And maybe round out your team with the strongest dude in town so when ministry, for those times when ministry uh, gets dangerous. 
That's probably what we would do, but not Jesus. What does Jesus do? He chooses the unqualified. Now, you might think it's harsh to say that Simon and Andrew, James and John are unqualified, but it's not. I mean, Mark kind of makes that clear in his gospel that was read. Here are young men who are firmly ensconced in the family business. I mean, at a time when uh, the life expectancy is short, to have you already uh, firmly established in the family business and your father still in the boat with you kind of means fishing is going to be your profession the rest of your life. Now, the ideal career path for a Jewish boy at that time was to uh, not go into the family business. The career path would be um, to, to take the brightest boys, those who shined in the yeshiva, the Hebrew school, and um, when they complete, they would then uh, go search for a rabbi. And if they make the cut, follow the rabbi for a few years, and then uh, begin their own career as a scribe, a teacher, or a rabbi themselves. So these young people, already embedded in the family business, tells us that they probably weren't the cream of the crop. They probably weren't the sharpest tool in the shed. They didn't have what it takes to run with the rabbis. They were sort of the leftovers. The ones who didn't get picked for Red Rover. Um, the ones who weren't chosen for playground kickball. Jesus, as our text says, didn't go about cherry-picking the brightest and the best from the other rabbis in the neighborhood. It says that Jesus actually went on a mission looking for the leftovers, seeking the also-rans, and... He didn't go about it the usual way of a rabbi. Typically, students choose the rabbi. But here, Jesus goes and chooses them. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus eschew the genius list and choose those who didn't make the cut? Pretty easy answer. Jesus chooses simple and unaccomplished disciples so that the power of God may be undeniably manifest to an unbelieving world. In other words, Jesus chose these simple and unschooled people so that they would become living, breathing object lessons about the greatness of God's power and the depth of God's grace. They couldn't later on say that they were privileged to walk with Jesus because of their resumes. They couldn't say that the church was built on the intellectual prowess and rhetorical skill of these disciples. They couldn't say that these disciples had the ability to create an intricate and complex myth about Jesus being the Messiah and write it down in a book. Jesus chose these disciples because it illustrated to the world 
the greatness of God's power and the depth of God's grace. Take, for example, the post-resurrection events of Acts chapter 4. You see, post-resurrection, Jesus gathered his disciples together, gave them the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and then gave them the mission to go and make disciples of all ethnicities, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, we find these same disciples minus one Judas, plus one Matthias, now boldly proclaiming the gospel in the temple courts. I mean, they were so bold in their proclamation that some teachers and scribes had them arrested and dragged them before the Sanhedrin. And there in the Sanhedrin, they still passionately and effectively proclaimed the gospel. The Jewish council was blown away not only by the content of their message, but by the messengers themselves. This is how Luke puts it. He says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You see, the earth-shaking news of the gospel being delivered by this unexpected vessel elicited a greater appreciation of God and for the power of Jesus. So let's bring this now to the present, to the here and now. Why do you think God chose you? Okay, yeah, I know, it's because God loves you and wants you to be a part of his kingdom. But was there something special about you that caught God's eye? Maybe it was your IQ, because mom always said you were a smart aleck. Um, maybe it's your style. Perhaps God was looking for someone to make the gospel more attractive. Maybe it's your type A personality. God was looking for someone who, who was high-functioning and a hard-driven person to be a part of his team. Did God choose you in holy baptism, mark you with his name, and give you every blessing of the cross because he saw something special in you? I hate to burst your bubble, but probably not. In fact, most certainly not. God chose you for the same reason he chose his disciples, so that you would be a living, breathing object lesson of the greatness of God's power and the depth of God's grace. You, with your rebellious heart, you, with your secret struggles, you with your lack of faith and your long list of faults, you who deep down know that you're not worthy to tie God's shoe, much less be a child of God. God chose you so that the world through you might see how indescribably merciful and incredibly powerful 
God is. Which then naturally leads to the question, so what? So what now? Now that God has chosen me as his own um, to display his great power, what does that mean? What does that do for the world? The answer to that question is also answered in our gospel lesson by what the disciples did. What did the disciples do the moment Jesus taps him on the shoulder? What did the disciples do when the rabbi Jesus says, I want you to be my disciple? They dropped everything and followed. Dropped their nets, left their dad in the boat, and followed. Why? Because when something so undeserved, yet so desperately needed, comes knocking on the door, you don't say, wait five minutes. You run to that door as fast as you can. That's the invitation that God has given to you. God chooses you. He gives you His Holy Spirit. He invites you as an undeserved person, a, now a disciple of Jesus, to come to this invitation. Each day, we have this invitation to come to Jesus and follow Him, to drop everything in our life, knowing and trusting that following Jesus is better, more beautiful, more fulfilling than any plans that we could have for ourselves. So when Jesus calls me to love my annoying neighbor who starts up his old pickup early in the morning and let it idle for hours, it's a gift of grace and a chance for the power of God to shine through my weakness because I'm not always the best at loving the unlovable. When Jesus calls me to invite someone from the YMCA to come to church, it's a gift of grace and a chance for the power of God to shine through my weakness because I'm not always comfortable doing that. When God tells me to follow him into sickness and bear a burden, it is a gift of grace and a chance of God's power to shine through my weakness because it's difficult to believe the love of God and the triumph of Christ when I'm laying on my bed with a fever, coughing my head off. Every day is an opportunity for us as disciples of Jesus to share with the world the power of God and the proof of His grace and mercy. God didn't have to choose you, but He did. God doesn't have to use you, but He does. And the result of that is a blessing not only for you and for those you serve, but the result is also the glory of God's name. 
So who is the smartest person in the world? Eh, if you consult the World Genius Directory, you can get a few names there. But that's only if you see smartness in terms of being able to solve puzzles in your IQ. Maybe being smart isn't always getting the right answer. Maybe being smart is recognizing a good thing when it comes to you. There are a lot of smart people who have passed on Jesus, but not Simon and Andrew, not James and John, and not you and me. We may be the leftovers, but to follow Jesus is pure genius.